Well, it is good to have all of you here today, and again, we want to just say a special welcome to any uh, visitors that are with us, any, any dads, any families that are in town for this special day, and uh, the, the day of the year, Father's Day, the day of the year when tie sales go way up, and then they all get returned the next day, right, or something like that. The day when people fill up the aisle at Walgreens or Target or Walmart or wherever you buy your greeting cards and people are just lined up in the aisles trying to find the perfect card to say something to your dad that somebody thousands of miles away wrote very personally just for your dad, right? I was there the other day. I experienced this and it was just like people were just lined up at the wall of cards trying to find that perfect card, that last minute card for their fathers. Do you like to laugh? Three of you. Okay, well, three of you can laugh, and then the rest of you can just go, okay? So uh, I found some cards. You want to hear some of these cards? These are some of my favorites uh, standing there uh, in the aisle. Some of them are kind of cheese balls, so just play along with me, okay? But uh, if you need one, uh, they'll be for sale afterwards. So, um, okay, so the first one uh, says this. Being a dad is like running a marathon, and there's a little runner on the front. Being a dad is like running a marathon, and the inside it says, you have to be just crazy enough to do it. I'm glad that you did. Happy Father's Day. So you can go, oh, at that one. Okay. Now to the good ones. Okay. Uh, this one's got a little smartphone with some apps there on the front. It says, Happy Father's Day. And on the middle, it says, to a guy who helps me out more than all of my apps combined. Oh. See, you got it down now, right? Good. Yes. Fathers are the best app. That's right. Okay. Here's one of my favorites. Uh, a little baseball glove with a ball there on the front. Dad, for old time's sake, how about a game of catch? You think this is going to be a aw. Toss me your wallet. Happy Father's Day, right? It's <laughs> a good one. So that's available. And guess what? Being that it's my first Father's Day, I got a card from my son already. It's amazing. Yeah. It's right here. He's two months old, and he's already, already thinking of me. It's amazing. Okay, so we got a little squirrel with his acorns there on the front, okay? So it says, Dad, I saw my son in the aisle at Target. He was looking for cards. So, Dad, they say the acorn doesn't fall far from the tree, uh, it says. And then he wrote something to me, which you can find out later. And then it says, Happy Father's Day from your little nut. <laughs> and he even signed his name. He's already writing, and he's two months old. Looks a lot like my wife's sloppy handwriting, though. So, anyway... Uh, Ooh, I don't know. No, like on purpose sloppy handwriting. Yeah, no, no. She has much better handwriting. So these are for sale for $5 a piece. I got to mark it up a little bit to, to make a profit. But uh, when you think about it, Father's Day isn't just for men. Father's Day isn't just for dads. It applies to all of us because we're all kids, really. It's just that the smaller ones just got to go to KQ and the rest of us are here, right? We're all kids and we all have a father. Whether a physical, earthly father still or not, whether you're here with them today or not, all of us have a father. And so there could not be a better place for all of us to be here uh, than to be here today in God's house, to be in our father's house on Father's Day. But today, the reality is, I know Knowing a lot of your stories that exist here in our community, we live in a broken world where not everything is as it should be. And it's certainly the case. And today is a, a very happy, joyful day for a lot of you, but the reality is maybe for many of you, the messages that you received from your dad growing up or maybe still received are not ones of love and grace. The image of a father that you have is kind of tainted 
a little bit because of the experience that you've had here on this earth. Maybe some of you, you're here with your dad and cherish that time. For some of you, that, that relationship is estranged. For some of you, he's passed away. But it doesn't matter. All of us have had a father in one way or another. But the reality is that we live in a broken world where unfortunately our image of fathers has been tainted and maybe they've been distant or unavailable or maybe even hurtful. We live in a broken world where even the best dads, even those of you sitting here today, even the best dads that love Jesus make mistakes. And sometimes we hurt our kids whether we want to or not. So for some of you, it's a tough day. And I don't know where you're at today with any of that. Maybe you're sky high. Maybe you're way down in the valley. And I don't know where you're at, but the most important thing today is that your father in heaven knows exactly where you're at. And you're here. You're here in his house. And this is a place of healing today. And this is a place of forgiveness. You're in the right place today to be reminded of who you are. Whether you're a dad or not, every single one of us needs to be reminded of what God thinks of us today. In fact, I was reading uh, one of my favorite books of the Bible, one of the the most well-known books of the Bible this week, Zephaniah, (laughs) because that's what I do. Uh, But there's this amazing passage. When's the last time anybody read Zephaniah? Okay, that's what I thought. Well, it's in there, uh, and I'm going to throw a verse up on the screen here, and I just want to read this. And as I read this, I just want to I want to speak this over all of you. In fact, this is God speaking this this truth over you, but especially for the men. I just want you to hear this this morning. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will rejoice over you with singing. Now, for for all of us, but especially you guys here today, when's the last time you thought about, my father in heaven is rejoicing over me because he's just giddy that I'm his kid? Doesn't matter what age you are. When's the last time you thought of that? So my my challenge to you today as we go through this message is to, to believe that, is to soak that in and to feel encouraged, not just good, happy Father's Day, but to be encouraged in your spirit today. Because this is a place of of healing and forgiveness, but it's also a place of joy. Today, we're just like our Heavenly Father is rejoicing over you. We are rejoicing together as a community for the guys that are here today. And so what I want you to do is, ladies and and everybody, just turn to a a, a guy next to you and just kind of give him a little elbow and say, hey, praise God for you. Just let him know that right now. Just say, hey, praise God for you. You can tell we're a bunch of Lutheran Norwegians because all the guys are like, oh, shucks, don't say that, right? (laughs) That's not really true. Well, it is true. So my admonishment to you today is believe it. Receive it. Even if you've never heard that before in your life, your father is rejoicing over you and rejoicing with you today. If you've been around the last few weeks, you know that we've been in this series of messages called Healthy Church. And we've been uh, discovering and exploring all these different aspects of what it means to be a healthy, living, breathing, growing church. And today we're going to end that series with a topic that kind of seems like a no-brainer for church, and that's healthy love. And we don't go too far into our passage today that Brienne read for us to discover what the Apostle Paul thinks that healthy love should look like in our lives. So if you've got your Bibles, keep those open to that passage that we read. I'm going to skip down to verse 4. And you've probably heard this before. Love is patient. Love is kind. 
It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And as I was reading that, some of you were sitting there thinking, that's the, that's the wedding Bible verse, right? That's the verse that, that everybody has read when they're staring blissfully into the eyes of the love of their life on their wedding day, right? And they're, and they're saying, I'm always going to love you like that, right? Our lives, lives are just going to be one big blissful honeymoon. Couples, right? Isn't that what it is, right? And all, and all those things apply to you every single day, right? Maybe not. In fact, normally what I ask couples when I'm officiating weddings and they choose this verse, I ask the couples, that sounds pretty easy, right? Of course, today it is when you're, you know, puppies and rainbows and everything's great on your wedding day, right? Of course it sounds easy. But I bet if we did a poll of all the couples here today, they would say, I mean, I love the other person a lot. I mean, some days where I don't really like them, but I love them, right? They would say, it's impossible to love somebody like that. You ever thought about that? 1 Corinthians 13 is impossible on your own. On your own. And so in a lot of ways, we are ending this sermon series exactly where we started. If you remember, the very first week that we did this is we've been building this tree every single week and there's fruit becoming uh, growing on it. There was a couple things that, that were painted down here and, and depending on which service you were at, our creative team, one of our gals painted this root system and on one of them she wrote faith. And in one of them, she wrote love. And I think that that's very appropriate because today we're coming back full circle to where we started, that when our roots are anywhere else than God's love, we can't be the kind of people and offer the kind of Christ-centered love to each other that we've been called to do. You have to have your roots in something deeper than your own ability. Because at some point, and marriage is a great example of this, but it's not just applying to marriage. There are days when I don't feel like loving people, (laughs) right? Even the people I love the most, I don't really like you that much. And it's hard, and I can't do that on my own strength. And maybe you've run into that as well, unless you've got that whole thing figured out, right? We need to have our roots in something deeper. And then we start producing more and more fruit. And if you've learned nothing else from this sermon series, the goal is not for you just to become a better Christian or a good enough Christian, The goal today is not to harp on you to say you need to be a better father, you need to be a better mother, you need to be a better follower of Jesus. The beauty of the way that God has wired up this creation is that when we put our roots and our faith deep in his love, we see fruit start to come out naturally. We don't have to try harder to be good enough. And so on this Father's Day, I thought, what if we started by taking this passage of 1 Corinthians 13 and we put in the name of our own Heavenly Father, who says to us today, I'm not just one more celebrity or popular opinion about healthy love. He says, I am love. So maybe I have something to say about it. And your Father says to you today, I'm always patient. I'm always kind. I'm not self-seeking. Keep no record of your wrongs. I'll always protect you. And so no matter what that word father or fathering, that was our question of the day, what that fathering word means to you today, the truth remains, the one thing that we have in common today is that we're all sons and daughters, aren't we? We're all sons and daughters of a good and faithful dad. 
And Andy introduced us to this idea last week when we were talking about prayer that maybe the most important thing about our relationship with God is not the, the mechanics of prayer and how we relate to him. It's understanding who we're praying to. That's the game changer. And when we get that, then the how we do prayer just kind of falls into place, right? When you know you have a good and loving father that you can come to anywhere, anytime, that's the game changer. When you have a strong, loving, faithful God who wants to father you. And so on this Father's Day, the good news for every single one of us, not just the guys, but for every one of us this morning, is that he's offering to you this morning the gift for guys of sonship and for you ladies to be a daughter of the king. Maybe you've never thought about that before in in that way, but it's all throughout scripture. That's your identity, that's who you're called to be, and that's the very thing he wants to offer you this morning. Sonship or being a daughter of the king, whether you're 13 or 33 or 73. In fact, I want you to flip over to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be jumping around a little bit today. We're going to explore what God really thinks about us. Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 4. It's in the back uh, fourth of your Bible, probably. It's a really small book. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It goes in that order. Ephesians, really short book written by the Apostle Paul. And I've read this many times, but I was praying through this idea of being sons and daughters. It started to come alive this week. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. If you've got it, say, I got it. it. Awesome. Let me just read this for us. Yours may be a little bit different translation, but starting in verse 4. For he, meaning our Father, chose us in him, meaning in Christ, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to what? Sonship, or being a daughter of the king, either one, through Jesus Christ. Now here's my favorite part. In accordance with his pleasure and will. Folks, this is incredible. A lot of times we think of God of like, this is my will, I'm demanding, I'm boring and stiff and cold. This is God's will, right? According to what? That you would be God's son or daughter according to his pleasure, his joy, his rejoicing over you. And see, I always thought that God being our father was some sort of like backup plan in case your earthly father screwed it up, right? And then God's like, well... He's not that good of a guy. He watches too much TV. I guess I'll have to step in and be your father, right? That's not what God's saying. When when did God say, I want to be your father? According to that verse. Look again. Before the creation of the world. I think that's before any of you dads were born. Before the creation of the world, God says it, it, it filled God with joy to be a father to us. And that hasn't changed one bit. So do you see the shift that we need to make today? It was never about saying, you need to be a better dad, you need to be a better dad, you need to shape up or ship out, right? It was never how, if you could be good enough. God says, it just brings me joy to be your father, to father you. But here's the dilemma. I think for a lot of us, we don't always live like it's true because we are fiercely committed to make life work on our own terms, So I want you to reflect a little bit about where you're at in your walk with God and and how you view him this morning. And I just wonder if any of these phrases, maybe in a moment of frustration or a moment of feeling alone or frustrated, has any of these phrases ever popped into your head? Be, Be honest. 
If anything good's going to happen, it's up to me. I wonder if I have what it takes. Does anyone truly notice me for who I am? Why is life so dang hard all the time? Most days, I feel like I have more questions than answers. If I'm honest, on the outside, I'm a put-together adult. On the inside, I'm just a little kid that's a mess. Maybe you've never vocalized any of those questions, but if you're like the average man or woman, even in the church, these sentences are so painfully familiar to a lot of you that they've become normal. And we live our lives in such a way that we acknowledge that we have a God who wants to father us, but we don't let him. We are fiercely committed to making life work on our own. Even if you had great parents, we have this image of God, but it was never meant to be that way. And so what I want to do this morning is I just want to walk through a few key ways that I believe on this Father's Day and every day, God wants to father you, that he wants to take you and take you through a process of initiation as his son or as his daughter in some very practical ways. And so if you're keeping score at home, there's a little place for notes on the back of your bullet. I just want you to remember three things today. And the first one is this. The first gift that your father wants to give you uh, maybe one of the most overlooked aspects of fathering, and that's bringing you to maturity. Bringing you to maturity. It's what the author of Hebrews writes about. He just hits the nail on the head. Let's throw this up on the screen. Let's read this together from Hebrews chapter 6. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. If you think about it, what's the most natural thing for kids to do when they grow older, when they grow older, grow up, right? Right? Because you can grow old and never really grow up. You can grow old and never really be changed and transformed on the inside, especially when it comes to our faith, to become a man or woman, to go on to maturity. And God gives us the example of earthly fathers who when everything goes the way he designed it to, will walk with you through the process of growing up. And so no matter where you're at today, if you're a parent or if you uh, remember being a kid, as we watch this next video, I want you to say, what would it look like if there wasn't a dad in the picture to help these kids grow up? And you may recognize a few of these scenes if you are a parent right now or you remember being one or you're looking forward to being one. This is the kind of stuff that you have to look forward to as a father watches his kids grow into maturity. Let's take a look. How much time do you have? That's the question, right? The most natural thing for kids to do is to grow up. And just like that, Father, I believe that this morning it brings our Heavenly Father an incredible amount of joy to go through that process with us. Maybe not like the birds and the bees and all that kind of stuff, right? But deep spiritual fathering. And he has said, since the day that you set your heart to follow me, your heavenly father says, I am going to initiate you as a son or daughter into maturity. And that's why in our passage today, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians, and we're going look to at, look at verse 11 with me right now. He says this, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. 
Now think about that for a second. Not just what you saw in the video of like, you're probably not going to flush your you know, fish down the toilet when you're 40. Maybe you are. We could have a funeral for that, right? But sometimes, most of the time, right, we are called to put those, not to, be, not to put away being childlike that Jesus talks about, but childish, and to go forward to maturity. And so I want to challenge us a little bit this morning, and I just want to ask you on this first point, where, what areas of your life is the Father saying to you, it's time that you let me usher you into maturity? And I'm not talking about physical age. I'm talking about God initiating you into a mature faith. What areas of your life, for example, are you still putting on that, that happy Christian mask that says, hey, everything's great, even though it's not? When you know you're far from it. Maybe it's the anger issue that you've had for years. Maybe it's that laziness that you have in pursuing your spouse. Maybe it's the hours that you spend online or in front of the TV just filling your mind with gossip while God's word sits over here on the shelf. Maybe it's stopping the comparison game with everybody around you and saying, I can't possibly feel good about myself because I don't have their life and I don't have their family and I don't have their spouse and I don't have cute kids like they do. And I'm never going to be okay until life lines up the way that I want it. God says, I want to usher you through that. I want to father you through that process. Maybe it's taking care of your body through exercise and eating right so that you're able to fully carry out that role of husband or wife or father or mother or grandfather or grandmother. Folks, we never outgrow the need to go on to maturity. And so a lot of you are thinking, man, John, just lay off a little bit. Like, I'm looking at that list and you're just giving me more things to feel guilty about today. That's not what Father's Day is all about. No, and it's not because that's not who you are. You're a son or a daughter. So you don't do those things to earn his love. We do them because we already have his love. We're just becoming who we already are. So instead, God just comes to you this morning and says, whatever's going on in your life, can you just let me father you in that? No, really, let me be a part of that process, big or small, highs or lows, mountaintop or valley. Have you ever thought about asking God his opinion? It's interesting. And then be open to how God might answer that prayer. I don't know, guys, he might ask you to find a new group of friends. Guys that are willing to stop being boys and are ready to become men. Ladies, he might encourage you to surround yourself with some older, wiser women to study God's word who, who, who see the woman of God in you and aren't afraid to call it out. It's going on to maturity and not just surrounding yourself with people that are going to pull you down or that are, you're the same place. People are going to say, I see something more in you and I love you too much not to call out the woman of God in you. I love how Proverbs chapter 3 puts it. It says this, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. Let's read this last part together. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Because that's what loving parents do. If you're parents here today, I hate to break it to you, but your number one job is not to be best buddies with your kids as they're growing up. Your job is to be their parents. And the most loving thing that you can do is set up boundaries as a father or a mother that loves them. 
Now you grow into different seasons. I'm, I feel like I'm friends with my parents now that I'm grown up and independent and adult. But when you're teaching them and you're a role model for them, your number one job is not to be BFFs with them. That's best friends forever. Okay? Your job is to be their parent. That's what loving parents do. And God says, I'm walking with you in this. Will you let me do that? Which brings us to the second gift that I believe that God wants to offer us as his father, and that's his guidance. Write that down. His, the gift of guidance. Now, you might be saying, John, well, duh, I get that. Duh, that kind of makes sense. God wants to guide us. But again, we don't always live like it's true. What are some of the questions that we ask as we move into adulthood? Then go back a little ways. How do I know what college to choose? What should my major be? What should my job be? What's being a Christian all about? How do I know if he or she's the one? Followed shortly by, how do you even begin to understand a man or a woman? How do you live with this person? And then, shortly after that, maybe, how in the world do you raise a kid and stay sane? And maybe after that, what, what's my purpose in life? What's my calling in life? And maybe after that, how do I finish well? When should I retire? When shouldn't I retire? How do I get to the end of my life and move from success to significance? We never stop asking these questions. But the problem is, as grown-up, mature, independent adults, our tendency at any age is to isolate ourselves and say, I don't need anybody's help. I'm grown up. I don't need a father anymore. But dad's here today, any age. Do you ever stop being a dad? You say, oh, checked off the list. Good luck. (laughs) Right? No, you you never take it out of you. So why would it be any different with your heavenly father? I'm not going to turn 40 and say, I don't need you anymore. That's for a lot of kids. That's when they really start needing their parents, right? How in the world do I change the oil on my car? Dad, right? You never stop being a father. And so we ask ourselves that question, Why are the prevailing messages that we believe are something like this? I can't admit that I'm lost. I got to be strong. I got to prove that I can handle this on my own. But that's not the thinking of a son or daughter. That's the thinking of an orphan who has nobody to turn to. And that's why I just love this passage. In John chapter 14, God comes to us and says, I will not leave you as orphans. Instead, I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. God says, I know the way if you'll let me guide you. Dad knows the way. Reminds me of a quick story of a family vacation that uh, our family took. Uh, This was a while ago. I was probably, I don't know, seven or eight years old or something like that. And have any of you ever had those family vacations that went nothing like you thought they were going to? Right? Or am I the only one? Okay? Like you had this beautiful picture. Oh, this is going to be great and everything. And I think that's what my dad was thinking of this resort location. That if the name tells you anything, our resort location was in southern Minnesota along the Root River. Okay? Doesn't exactly jump out to you and grab you like a, a place of rest and peace. But we ended up staying on the lower level of a resort barn 
in bunk beds, which my mother was just thrilled about, which as the water dripped down from the ceiling constantly throughout the whole night, it just made it even better. But there was a day when all four of us said, okay, we're along the Root River here in Minnesota. Let's go tubing, because every good family goes tubing together. So we get, and every single one of us has a tube. And we venture out, and for some reason, I just freaked out. I just freaked out. And I had never gone uh, tubing on like an open river before. And as it turns out, it was not a pleasant ride. It had nothing to do with the river. The, the river was nice and calm and peaceful, and there was no waves or no ripples or anything. But what was my mind thinking about the entire time? What was the one thing that prevented me from enjoying the entire four-hour tubing ride? Waterfalls. I was convinced that there was waterfalls all along the way. Were there? Absolutely not. Did it ruin the entire trip for me? Yes. So every, I don't know, 100 yards or so, I I get out of my, and I start walking, because if there is a waterfall, I'm going to need to fight back against the current, right? And everybody knows there's like a 100-foot drop-off waterfalls in southern Minnesota, right? But I'm just freaking out, and, and my dad has to remind me over and over and over again, John, I checked the map ahead of time. You don't have to worry. There's no waterfalls. Just sit back and let the current take you. There's no waterfalls, but I just couldn't believe him. And I think for some of us, we live the exact same way in our lives. We live the exact same way. And God says, I know the way. And he's not left us to navigate life on our own. I love how James 1.5 puts it. In fact, let's read this together up on the screen. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. God says, there's nothing too big or too small that I'm not invested in in your life. God says to you this morning, so you can stop compartmentalizing me as a Sunday morning God and invite me into that process of growing up as your father. Which, at the end of the day, after everything I've said today, here I am standing up in front of you saying, well, that's a lot easier said than done. Thanks, preacher boy. Good thoughts. Now, how do we actually do that? Well, there's a reason, because we don't always live like it's true, and there's a reason we're talking about it here in Big Kid Church. Because we're all just a bunch of big kids that are learning how to do that, to, to receive his love and, and to receive it personally. Not as a you know, generic greeting card, but, but deep inside who you are. Um, even for your pastor. Um, about a month or so ago, a famous Christian author named Brennan Manning, uh, author and speaker, passed away. Very, very influential. And he was passionate about people understanding the love of God. And, and the big part of his lasting legacy is this statement that he would end. He spoke to huge crowds of people, did revivals and huge churches, thousands of people. And he would always end his talks with this statement. I am now, I am now utterly convinced Let let God breathe this over you this morning. I am now utterly convinced that on Judgment Day, the Lord Jesus is going to ask us one question and one question only. Do you believe that I loved you? 
do you believe that I loved you? And so if you're keeping track at home, that is the third and most important vital gift that your father wants to give you today, and that's unconditional love. To receive that today. And I have to say, about two months ago, I'm standing in a hospital room at Methodist Hospital holding my son, staring out over the the night skyline of Des Moines at about 4 o'clock in the morning, half asleep. And I'm a pastor, so I got this God's love thing figured out. Know exactly what it means to experience the love of a father. And I'm holding him, and I'm I'm looking at him, and I'm looking at my wife, and... um, thought I had this all figured out. And this coming from a pastor's kid who grew up around church and all this stuff 24-7. You'd think I'd have it figured out. But sometimes even we can go to our church, go to church our entire lives and miss the heart of the gospel. And I don't want you to miss the heart of the gospel this morning, especially today. And so a few weeks ago, my kid is growing up and it was one of those glorious uh, 3 a.m. feedings with Caleb, and I'm, I'm all alone with him there in the nursery, and I'm getting ready to change his diaper, and I'm thinking, okay, this normally just takes a minute or two. Just clean him up, got the whole thing down, right? 20 minutes later, after multiple movements and spit-ups and burps and slobber and everything, he is a hot, slimy, stinky mess. And I'm, I'm holding him there in front of me on the changing table, and You'd, you'd think, I was like, man, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Caleb, just pull, pull it together. Figure it out. You'd think I'd just be freaking out because I want to get back to bed. And for some reason, I just had this overwhelming sense of peace come over me. And the only thing I could think of, and I just, I just said it to Caleb, even though he's half awake. I said, Caleb, do you know that I love you even in your mess? And then I just got like knocked upside the head by a two by four. And all of a sudden, God, at three o'clock in the morning, yes, he's up. (laughs) Right when I said that with those words over my son, God says, John, why would it be any different for you? Because I love you right in the middle of your mess too. John, I, I love you right in the middle of your fears and your doubts and your insecurities and your limitations, your broken promises, your inability to be the the, the father and the husband that you want to be. I I love you right in the middle of your mess. And I'm going to speak that to you when you're a grandpa and a great-grandpa. Because you're always going to be my son. So God says, John, why would it be any different for you? Or as Ephesians chapter 2 puts it, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead, right in the middle of our mess. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And your Father loves you today as you are and not as you should be, right in the middle of your mess. Do you believe that? I don't want you to go to church anymore and miss the heart of the gospel especially on Father's Day. God wants you to know that. And when we know who our Father is, 
what is our response? Not fear or condemnation, but to run to him. And I want to give you a picture of that this morning. It's a story I came across a couple weeks ago about a nine-year-old girl named Elena. And she gets picked to um, throw out the first pitch at a Tampa Ray Rays professional baseball game. They always have a celebrity throw it out, but she gets picked because her dad, Will, has been deployed to Afghanistan for over a year. So she thinks he's halfway across the world. And when you're, you're going to see on this screen in front of all these people in the stadium, up on the giant jumbotron comes her dad, who's streaming live from Afghanistan, giving her advice and encouragement about throwing out this first pitch. And then this masked man, this catcher for the Rays, walks out and stands behind home plate. And I'm going to leave it there and let you watch this and just breathe it in and say, what does that say about the Father's love for you? Let's take a look. I don't see a lot of uh, fear or condemnation. I see reckless abandon. I don't, tear, I don't, I don't really care if you think you're a big, strong, tough person today. Will you run to your Father Do you desire that kind of intimacy with him today? Because that's his offer to you. I want to father you. And just like the catcher, (laughs) maybe our father's been there all along and you just didn't realize it. Will you run to him? Or will he just be a Sunday morning God?